What's going on, Element City Church? How's everyone doing tonight? That was a good response. That was a real good response. How's the uh, Cowboys-Niners game going back there? Yeah, I know. There's a lot of tension in the room, so I apologize in advance. For those of you who are at home, maybe you made the right decision tonight. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, if you're tuning in online, we want to welcome you. Uh, if you're here in the room, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, it's a pleasure to get together to worship tonight uh, with all of you. So uh, my name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here. If we haven't had a chance to meet, hello. And uh, so if you are new, just want to let you know a couple things. One, we've got a church app, that, uh, the Element City Church app, that's available in your phone's app store uh, that has a whole bunch of information. It's always got news. It's got playlists. It's got, uh, that's where we do our tithing, all of our giving and stuff. But uh, if this is your first time, we've also got the 10-minute party going on in the back of the room. And we'd love to get to meet you. We'd love to hear a little bit about your story uh, and help you get connected here. Um, so that's a, a party that goes on for 10 minutes after service. That's it. How long do you have to be there? No, you don't, actually. It's just we're going to be back there for 10 minutes. So maybe you're like the introverted person. You're like, 10 minutes is too long. Don't worry. Two minutes is fine. That's totally fine. 30 seconds even. we just love to get to know your name. Uh, we've got a free gift for you back there as well. And if you're uh, tuning in at home, uh, you can actually text in to us at 520-340-6868. That's the number you send the text to. That's 520-340-6868. Just text the word hello. Uh, and you'll get a link that you can tap the link, pop in your name, your email, uh, and then that way we can sufficiently spam you over the... I'm kidding. We won't do that, I promise. Uh we do, it's just one text a week, really, uh, for the next six weeks to help us uh, get in touch with you and, and help you get to know a little bit more about our church. So uh, that's that. I don't think we have too many other announcements tonight, so that's good. Let's all stand together. Uh, we're going to sing a couple songs tonight. Jack's got a message prepared as we continue our vision series. Uh, and we're going to pray for the Church of the Week. That's something that we do every week here. Um, there's an organization in town called For Tucson. And they're all about helping churches just get connected with each other and get connected in the community. And um, so the church of this uh, church of the week this week is North Swan Baptist Church. They're right uh, around the corner from us. And what's really cool is their pastor, Angie Marquez, is a good friend of mine from uh, when I went to college. Uh, used to lead worship with him together. We had a student job together on campus at U of A, and he's just a, a dear, dear friend. They've got a great church over there. Um, and so we're going to pray for them tonight. We're going to pray for our night as well. And just... Uh, I want you to know the presence of God is here already tonight. And it's so easy to walk in with burdens, to walk in with our stresses or the, the things that might weigh us down. Uh, and yet that's, that's not something that we need to carry alone tonight. That's something that we can lay down before the Lord as we come to him in worship. And God wants to take that from you. And so uh, I just invite you uh, to ask the Lord to make you aware of his presence, how he's moving tonight, and maybe what it is that he might want to say to you, whether that be through a lyric and a song, whether that be through something that Jack has to say. Um, so if you're at home, hey, the Holy Spirit can move in your living room too. Or if you're listening later in the week and you're driving in your car, he can move in that moment as well. So let's just pray together and invite uh, God to make us aware of his presence. And so that's our heart, God. We know that you're here. We know that intellectually, but it's time for us to know that in our hearts. And so we come joyfully before you, before the throne to worship the only one who's worthy of all of our praise. And so we lay uh, down all of our burdens, all the things that we could carry into this moment, God. The stresses of the week, the disappointing news that we might have felt, uh, whatever anxiety might be uh, 
coming over our hearts in this moment. We submit it to you. And we just ask God, would you make us aware of how you're already on the move in this place? And so God, uh, we lift up North Swan Baptist Church. We thank you for them. I thank you for my buddy, Andrew, uh, who pastors that church. And so I pray your anointing over him and over the ministries that they have there at the church. I know they've got their school uh, that's been meeting there for years. And uh, that's one of the things they've asked for prayer for is just to be able to continue to resource that school to make a difference in elementary age kids. Um, I pray for wisdom for them as they're seeking the the, the right timing to increase their support staff at the church as well, because I know Andrew's doing so much on his own. Uh, but thank you for the decades of faithful ministry that they've done here in Tucson in the same area where we're doing ministry too. We're so grateful for how you're using them uh, to influence the kingdom and to build the kingdom here in Tucson. So God, we love you. Would you open our hearts again? just to be ready to receive what you have for us tonight. We pray all these things in the wonderful and the precious name of Jesus. Everyone said together, amen.
Christ, our King of heaven, my King think how you laid your life down by going to the cross for us, that you took the weight of sin that was on the shoulders of every person, this debt that we created between us and God, having this rift that we could never, uh, we could never fully uh, heal. And yet, Jesus, you took it upon yourself to do that for us. so freely you laid down your life so that we might know what life is, so that we might experience life abundantly. And you've invited us to lay down our lives in the same way, to submit ourselves to the calling that God has put on the life of every person, to know him and to make him known. And so just as we sing this song tonight, God, that's the invitation for us is just to lay it down lay down whatever we feel that we need to carry, whatever little calling we've put on our own lives, whatever striving that we're doing, trying to earn favor with you. Or maybe we're just walking through our life and, and it's not even on our minds to follow after you. But God, I just uh, that's my heart, that you would be our king, that you would be our Lord, that whatever you say, whatever you call us to, that we would be ready to answer with a fervent yes and a faithfulness just to follow through the courage and the conviction to trust you, God. And so Lord, I, I know that you're, you're speaking to people tonight, that you're calling out to each and every one of us. There's something that you have for our hearts that we need to hear tonight. And so just as we submit ourselves to you, God, as we submit ourselves to your sovereignty, to your glory, to your greatness, would you open our, our ears to hear wonderful things tonight? Would you open our eyes to see what's in your word and to see it as it truly is? And that's the bread of life, that that's, um, that's the way to, to follow after you. That's where the joy is. So we just thank you for this time. We thank you that we can sing these songs of worship together. We thank you that we can open the word and we can worship together uh, as Jack comes to speak. And so thank you, God, that you've allowed yourself to be known, that you've welcomed us to call you king, to come to you and receive what you have for us. So give us the courage, the conviction to do it tonight. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Amen. And it's always good to, to gather with you, whether you're here in the house or watching from your house online. You, uh, just for those of you watching online, in the, uh, online there, 
I just want you to know this is a good looking group right here. So y'all are good looking people. So just a shout out to you in that uh, as we continue just kind of in that worshipful mindset of just tuning our lives to Jesus. Uh, we're going to look into his word a little bit tonight as we continue to drill down on our vision. We've been looking at the beginning here of January. We started with a worship and prayer night on the 1st of January and we said, hey, we want to take the next four weeks and just kind of drill down on something we introduced last September of saying, kind of here's where our, our board, our elders, and, and we spent a year kind of working on this with a consultant and kind of leaning into God, listening, uh, a lot of listening, a lot of praying and saying, God, what do you have for us as we celebrate 10 years as Element City Church? What do you have kind of on the horizon for the next decade or so for us? And the pursuit of that is for us to live into this as a vision uh, and that inviting community of Jesus followers that uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at these invite cards and said, you know, we want to be a people that are continually invited because we are the benefactors of those that have been invited into relationship with Jesus. And, and while I looked last week, this idea of commissioned by the gospel to make disciples, that we are more than just trying to draw people to be fans of Jesus. We want people to be disciples of Jesus, to be followers of him, to actually begin to orient their life and, and, and live in rhythms and practices that he kind of put out and laid out and to kind of follow him. Jesus said, follow me. And it's a highly relational reality that we enter into and do that relationship. And so it's more than just being a fan who knows some stats and, and kind of admires from afar. It's this idea of living that out is because of the gospel that has reached out to us. And then tonight, this idea of this phrase of cultivating relationships relationships with the love of Christ. Cultivating relationships with the love of Christ. Now, cultivating is not a word that we typically use a lot. How many of you have been to the grocery store? You've seen the prices go up. I, I know that. But like you walk around the grocery, you got people who are several different kinds of people in the grocery store. You got some people who will walk into the fruits and vegetables area and they'll walk right out because they're like, nope, I ain't going to do that. Uh, you got other people who will walk around and they'll squeeze every fruit. How many of you are the squeezers? Like, okay, it's okay. You're among friends here. How many of you are like, you walk by the fruits and vegetables, you're like, this is good, this is good, this is, and you just kind of grab, toss it, and go, right? Some of you are just like that. Uh, but the reality is, uh, what I never knew, because I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up around farming. But a few years back, I had the, the pleasure and the honor and a little bit of a challenge uh, to have a City Slickers day. Anyone remember the movie, old school movie, City Slickers? Uh, if, if you remember that, Billy Crystal and, and a few other people, they kind of go into this dude ranch and, and they kind of live the, the city slicker life. They're kind of they're executives and then they go and live kind of this country lifestyle. And, and Cowboy Bill was a guy that I knew and he invited me one day with his son, out to their farm in Winkleman, Arizona. There is a town called Winkleman. Isn't that cool? Okay, so like we drove out there for an hour or so plus to get to there, and I got to ride a horse, and we ran, and like we kind of, I don't know what you even call it, like we corralled cattle, and, and like we branded, I got to brand a cattle, which like I've never done that before. Do you know they cut the ears on cattle? Like he cuts the ears like a little bit so you can see that it's his cow from like, a mile away with binoculars, and I was like, I, that's weird, I'm, I don't cut my ear. And so like, and then we castrated bulls, which is another story for another time, and that's, uh, we'll just move on. Um, so like, but the reality of the cowboy bill is just, and I thought this is what the day was about until we got back to uh, kind of his ranch house, and then he begins to show me kind of the other side of the house, and just the field after field after field uh, of cotton fields, alfalfa fields, wheat fields, 
And it begins under helping me unpack and understand the reality of life for Cowboy Bill. I thought it was the rancher side of things. He said, no, 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 uh, we, have, we grow uh, cotton here, and then we have to harvest it, and we go through all this. And he kind of begins to explain all the reality of what it takes for the clothes that you wear and that I wear, uh, for that to, to begin to get to the market and, and everything that goes with that. He says, look, this alfalfa field out here, uh, do you know I ship this to France? And I was like, what? Like, you ship it to France? And he's like, yeah, this, this field and actually this other field over here, it actually makes its way to France. I've never been to the Eiffel Tower, but my stuff actually gets to the shadow of it. Like, mind-blowing. Uh, like, when you walk down the noodle aisle, uh, do you know that pop, you know, possibly some of that was actually grown here, shipped over, makes the pasta, and then brought back into the reality of the shelves that you and I tread. And, and I never thought about the reality of everything it took uh, and takes to make this a part of, of what it is, because I'm the guy who just walks into the fruits and vegetable aisle, and I grab it, toss it, and go. And you never stop to think about all the cultivation that actually takes place as things begin to, to kind of go through the regular rhythm of how we get what we get. And so it is this challenge, this invitation for us to continue to lean into cultivating in the dictionary society of to break up the ground, to prepare it for planting and growing and for reaping the harvest with that. How many of you know that when you plant a seed, it, like, it doesn't become a fruit the next day, right? Okay, we understand this from like when we planted the apple seed in the little styrofoam cup back when you were in elementary school. It's not an instantaneous process. It's long-term, and it takes lots of intentional actions with it. And in a land that we live in, that is home to instant everything and seems content with superficial relational depth, cultivating is actually a culture, uh, kind of a countercultural word and has a countercultural vibe to it. And as a church, we want to continue to, to learn what that means and to lean into what that means. How do we cultivate our relationship with God? And how do we cultivate the relationships that God allows us to have uh, around us? See, we live in a culture of immediacy, of surface level for a lot of things, but real love doesn't take root on the surface. Uh, you really can't love in a hurry. Real love must put its roots down deeply into relationships. It takes intentional cultivation within relationships for that relational depth to actually occur. It takes vulnerability, authenticity, accountability, proximity, approachability, it takes intentional action and work, not just skimming across the surface of things. And this is deep work into a culture that seems to prefer surface-level connectivity and pseudo-relationship hybrids. But into this work, we see the gospel accounts, we see the life of Jesus calling us to a deeper work in that. The truth is, uh, if you think about instant gratification, which is so much a hallmark uh, of the reality of what we call home in the Western world, uh, that we understand that's seeped into almost every area of life, and it begins to have influence in how we even approach the world and how we see the world, how we navigate things. You think about the retailers offering same-day delivery service, which we love. I love. I get it. Like, and you love it too. Uh, we have instant streaming services. We can pull anything up in the world and, and say, I'm going to watch this 30 seconds from now. It's going to be in on my screen in front of me. We can have yearly upgrades of our tech, internet connection all over the place. The instant experience isn't just handed to us. Listen, it's expected. 
because that just becomes the current of the reality of what you and I tread in the culture in which we live. This instant kind of experience, this instant kind of relationship is what we seem to crave and what we seem to see as reality around us. 47% of users will leave a website page if it doesn't load in two seconds or less. Others say they won't even bother watching a film if they can't find it on Netflix or on some on-demand service. It's said the internet is actually making us impatient. How many of you feel like maybe you are more, and this is honest, you are more impatient today than maybe you were 10 years ago? Like if you're just honest with yourself, I'll be honest, I find that impatience dwelling up within me. Do you find that when you're waiting in line? How many of you hate to wait in line? That's why you do this self-checkout. How many of you are self-checkouts? Yeah, that's most of us. Like, it's because we think we can do it faster. It seems to be this pull for us. That's why this instant gratification is a constant pull for us to pull out our phone. Do you know the average person in America looks at their phone 344 times a day? That's once every four minutes. Like, it just seeps into the reality of which, in which we live. This instantaneous seems to be our aspiration. But cultivation actually takes time. And it takes effort and focus and energy. It takes a reality that I don't think most of us understand. And it's such an undercurrent of, of the culture in which we live. Now, I'm not much of a wine connoisseur. Um, I, I haven't really ever found one that I kind of like, but it's this idea, it, it, uh, I have a friend, Margaret uh, Feinberg, who's an author, who was writing about leadership lessons from Napa Valley, and she went and studied uh, some vineyards and meant, uh, I kind of met some of them, spent some time with them, and she talks about this idea that when you plant uh, a, a vineyard, you're actually, most, um, most folks will plant a vine, not just a seed. Because the vine actually will give you greater strength in the long run. And what you and I see at the stores has actually been in process for many, many years. And what we think is just instantaneous is actually nothing close to that. In fact, most planters will plant those shoots in the first year because it brings the strongest vines. And nothing will happen in that first year. In fact, at the end of that first year, they'll cut the vine all the way back. It'll go through a growing season that second year, and most will cut it back again. And then it gets to the third year, and it finally has some clusters of grapes. And most good vineyards, people who are kind of overseeing that, will actually let that stay on the vine and fall off. It's not till the fourth year that they'll actually begin to get a little bit of a harvest. And actually, if you're making wine, you're going to actually bottle that up, and it won't be two or three or four years later that you'll actually begin to taste what your vine has produced so many years over the journey of that. She begins to write and ask these questions. Sometimes I look at my own life and wonder, why am I not more fruitful? Uh, why does cultivating a healthy crop seem to take so long? Yet those questions seem to circle around the here and now moment and here and now push of those questions. But God's perspective is often much different. Like a good vineyard owner, he knows how to bring about fruitfulness and how to bring about it better. He's patient with me, maybe even more patient with me than I am with myself. How good is God? 
that he's probably actually more patient with you than you are with yourself. We must recognize that the fruitfulness doesn't come overnight and that the first harvest of our labors may not come for three or four or five or six years into the process of trying to lean into this reality. It takes time for cultivation. It's a long-term investment that matters most, and you know that it takes time in so many other areas of life. How many of you have ever been a part of, a, of like a dynamic team? Maybe you were in a sports team, and a dynamic team in the culture that they had, and the coach spent a lot of time cultivating that kind of culture, cultivating the kind of culture that would develop players and that would have them live to expectations and rise to those expectations that they set. Gardeners, any gardeners here? You cultivate the garden that you have. You don't plant seeds one day and go out the next day and have ripe fruit. It doesn't happen overnight. Parents, you cultivate your children and their character, shaping and speaking into them over years. And then you have the pleasure of seeing them married off. Like I got to this last December and realized that was 25 years of investment for such a moment as this. And it didn't feel like it was that long, but it was. It was this investment over time. We cultivate the habits that we do to, to change us. Some of you have been in a, a transformation process of losing weight, and that doesn't happen overnight. Maybe you're graduating from a new program, a, a, a master's degree, or whatever you're pursuing, and that didn't happen overnight. Maybe you were accomplishing a goal that you set for yourself in life, and I guarantee you that didn't happen overnight. Cultivation is something we all have done and what we can do, but it's also something we know deep down, just intrinsically, that it takes time and effort and energy to it. See, at the heart of cultivation is intentionality. It's about intentionality of the decisions that we make and the ways that we align ourselves. And we want to encourage you to nudge you, to help you grow in cultivating your relationship with God and cultivating relationships with others with the love of Christ. And that does not happen overnight, but with intentionality, with strategic steps, with leaning into practices and rhythms that we see in Jesus, we begin to see a harvest take place and fruitfulness begin to work out into your life. We mentioned this last night, Lyle, or last week, Lyle mentioned, we have an agenda for your life. We don't hide that. And it's for you to align your life with Jesus more and more, to grow in your love with him and your connection with him, and to have you grow in your love for other people, to live out the great commandment, to love God, to love people, to love people as Jesus would, to live more and more as he would if he was walking around in your shoes. What would he do? How would he love into the moments around him? And I want to look at the Gospel of John tonight. There's a couple passages. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to John 15, or if you have the app, you can open up and go down to sermon notes and find it and kind of follow along there. But into this reality that we get to lean into, uh, Jesus is speaking, and he speaks about this idea of a vineyard. He speaks to this idea of this connection and what it is, and here's what he says as he begins to lay out in John 15. I am the true vine, he says. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it even becomes more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, hearing that last phrase as an American, you instantaneously push back and go, nothing? (laughs) Well, I could do some things because that's just how you've been raised. That's how you and I approach the world and how we see it from a Western world mindset that I can pull myself up from the bootstraps. I can do some things. And listen, you get to participate, but this is the beauty of the gospel. You can't earn the gospel. That's what we looked at last week. The gospel is this gift that's given to you. It's Jesus come to sacrifice a a sacrifice that you could not make and could not do anything to earn your way to a perfect and holy God. But he stepped in your place and now is providing an opportunity for you to have life with God now and life with God eternal through faith in him. That's why Jesus is saying, remain in me and I'll remain in you, and you'll bear much fruit. It may be a process of that. It won't necessarily happen overnight, and it won't be instantaneous, but I want you to remain in me. Remaining in him is a highly relational reality. It is this invitation to begin to live your life in a way where you're deepening your roots in connection with him, and we have a passion to want you to cultivate your relationship with God intentionally. That's why you continue to look to the scriptures. It's why we continue to preach from the scriptures to say, here's the truth for us to live by. It's why we want to look at the rhythms and practices of Jesus and to align ourselves with this. And Jesus is getting this metaphor, even tying all the way back to Psalm chapter 1, which speaks to this rhythm that we're to have in life, that our delight would be in the law of the Lord. We'd meditate on his law day and night and the person like that who's is a person that's a tree planted by streams of water that will bear much fruit and not lose its leaf. Its life has a vibrancy to it because it's not trying to produce something on its own. It's just living into the reality of who God is and that is beginning to produce things within them. We want to help you cultivate your relationship with God. See, discipleship is about aligning our lives with Jesus. Discipleship is people development. It's equipping people as apprentices or students of Jesus. It's pursuing spiritual growth and development of God sanctifying a work within us that's meant to be normal, not something that's optional. It's meant to be this, when Jesus says this invitation, hey, follow me. Now, you may be here and not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're just investigating him, and that's awesome. We want to be a safe place where people can begin to investigate Jesus. But for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, it's not an optional thing for us to go, okay, Jesus, I'll see you at heaven when I die. No, no. It's follow me into the reality of living life as he would. So it's this invitation to begin to cultivate a life that follows after him, that's beginning to cultivate a life that lives more and more like he would if he walked around in your shoes. Jesus has enough fair-weather fans who get stuck in their own agendas, their own non-biblical interpretations of what he's really like, and they can give off a bad witness to a watching world, They can get stuck in legalism and spew skewed theology. 
They can get sidelined into cultural conspiracy theories and non-loving interpretations of God's true heart for people. And you've seen it, and I have too. And the church, the church, can sometimes get a black eye from the people who live with a skewed reality of what Jesus is saying and what he's calling us into. And so spiritual growth is about us developing an inner depth of getting our roots into spiritual pursuits and practices and rhythms of Jesus that we would live more and more as he would if he walked around in your shoes. See, spiritual depth matters in a superficial culture. See, people of depth, if you think back over your life, they are the people who have impacted you the most. It's that coach, that teacher, that parent that had a depth to them that just drew something out of you, inspired something within you, and moved something in you. You know people of depth that have inspired and impacted you. And cultivating spiritual root system that follows after Jesus takes intentionality. No one drifts toward deepening their discipleship. It won't just happen. We're invited into beginning aligning our life more and more like Jesus. That's why his simple call was follow me. Not just know stuff about me, follow me. It's a relational pursuit in that, that we determine to align our lives with him and watch him do a transforming work within us because we are the branch and he's the vine and we're attached to him, and we're being cultivated to begin to produce the fruit that he wants to produce and that only he can produce within you and within me. So we're inviting you to get connected, putting down roots within some strategic ways, and we've kind of thrown out a few of those. We hear us talk about them at times. We're inviting you to grow in experiencing practices of Jesus. We're going to look at some of that this summer. We're going to look at that in our next series called This Unhurried Life. How do you begin to live into the rhythms and practices of Jesus? How do you begin to, to take steps into those spiritual habits or disciplines that we see marked in his life? How do we begin to experience more of that ourselves and see what God can do in that as we experience with that? We're inviting you to join a community group, that, to join an e-group or a discipleship group, that we were never intended to be Lone Ranger Christians. That's never a pursuit that you see in the scriptures. In fact, what you see is a call to be connected into community. People who are orienting their life around Jesus and beginning to live this out. Why? Because you need them to, to kind of chip off the rough edges of you, and you need to be used to help chip off the rough edges of others, and you need to be people who are loving one another, who are rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, that we need one another in that. And so we've got community groups around here. We have what we call e-groups, which is kind of mid-sized group. We've got discipleship groups that Lyle kind of talked about last week, this idea of like no more than four who are going through a book, a resource that's helping you understand here's what the basics of Christianity talks about. And if you've never done that, we want to encourage you. We're trying to have those groups go. As soon as one finishes, another one starts. And so you can sign up on the list for that. We've got different e-groups that you can connect to all around town that just coming on a Sunday night is good. And we're glad that you're here. But friend, we want to invite you into so much more than just that. Uh, we have a vision for four new e-groups this year. Uh, we, we have some older couples that need a group. 
uh, to get off the ground. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, that, that's kind of me, and you can help us start that. We need to have a younger couples group that needs to start and get off the ground. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, that's me, and I need to be a part of helping that. We have a, an older singles group that needs to get off the ground and moving forward, and maybe that's you, and, and you're saying, man, I need to be a part of starting that. Uh, we have a men's group that we want to get started and going, and maybe that's you, and you feel, and if that's you, then talk to Lyle. Talk to me. We, we would love to have you be part of the process of creating these communities and containers that invite people into living life together and growing in that. We're inviting you to be a part of a serve team around here because there's something about serving others that, that positions us to grow and deepen our roots in connection to Jesus where it doesn't make everything about me. We live in a cultural moment, in a cultural context, when it is so easy to make everything about you. And can I just summarize the scriptures? It ain't all about you. That's the heart of Jesus. Sorry to burst your American bubble, but it's not. In fact, it's about what he's doing. And we get invited into that. And so putting ourselves in positions to serve others, to invest in others. You know, for some of you, uh, we have, uh, we are growing our e-kids ministry literally. I don't know how many babies we have popped out around here in the last few months, but a lot. Um, and so I know like for my daughters, we're over there a couple weeks ago and they've got like eight or nine babies in there. We need more people to help love on our babies here. We need more people to help love on our preschoolers here, to invest into our next generation, to say, hey, you need to know that Jesus loves you, that he cares about you. He actually knows your name. And we want to teach you some of the Bible stories. And for some of you, you've been coming here for a long time, and I'm challenging you right now. Invest one Sunday a month to invest in the next generation. And so talk to Jen, talk to Matt about the opportunity to do that. Uh, for some of you, maybe you've never come to a food distribution that we've done. You've come here on a Sunday, and that's awesome. Again, keep coming. But we, we have to put ourselves in positions to serve others because then we're reminded it's not all about me. And, and if there's something that only can happen when we do that that takes the roots of our relationship and our connection with Jesus to a different level. And so I'm just inviting you to be a part of that. I'm inviting you on February 11th. We have our serve weekend that weekend. Uh, we have 49 spots left uh, to help us serve at Feed My Starving Children. Uh, I met with David, who's hosting, they're hosting that at Ore Valley Church in the Nazarene. You can sign up in the app. You could do it tonight. In fact, you could do it right now while I'm talking. Uh, and open up the app, open that to the event, and sign your name up. February 11th from 2 to 4, we're packing meals that are going to go to three different countries all around the world, helping the needs of, uh, of children uh, get some nourishment and food that they need. They are packing 1.1 million meals in a week, and they're going to be shipped. In fact, Convoy of Hope, I just heard this week, is going to be meeting the semi-trucks on campus here in Tucson and driving them to the port in L.A. to get the food to where it needs to go because the need is so high. And so we get to be the anchor leg of that. And so I need 49 more people to be a part of our serve weekend with that. And so that's the invitation. I'm inviting you to kind of say, okay, I'm going to do that. That's two hours of your life that you can invest to make a difference for a kid that you may never meet but you'll be helping make a difference in their life. They're gonna hear the gospel and hear about Jesus' love, and they're gonna be fed in a way that meets their need where they're at. You can do that. 
You can be a part of a tech team or a worship team around here, part of a greeting team, part of the missions opportunity that we have. We can be all on the lookout to live as, as people who want to serve around us. That everywhere you go, you are representing Jesus wherever you go. And here's what Jesus did. He looked for needs and then he met them. And maybe you can't meet every need in Tucson, but you could do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And you and I can live with a mindset that says, God, I want to live as a servant of you. I want to live as an active agent for your good in the world. And so would you help me to recognize the opportunities you bring across my path to step into those? Jesus was continually doing that. I love the Gospel of John in a couple chapters before uh, chapter 15, verse in chapter 13. Uh, he kind of says, in fact, the scriptures say that he, he now put on the full extent, he showed the full extent of his love. And what did he do? He washed his disciples' feet, which was a menial task. A slave would do that. But here we have the, the creator of the world, the king of kings, washing the feet of his disciples. And it says that he put on the full extent of his love, which we know is going to be even fully more extended as he goes to the cross on their behalf. And at the end of chapter 13, here's what he says. He gives a new command to them, to his followers, then and now. Here's the command he gives. There's only one person who gives commands. It's God. So here Jesus is uh, claiming his deity again in this moment. A new command I give you, love one another. Not lecture one another, not make sure everyone knows your opinion's right to everyone else. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, I've modeled it, you've seen it, you've experienced it, now you love like that. You are also to love one another. By this, by this action, this love action-oriented reality, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do you cultivate relationships in our day and age? I think you go back to the words of Jesus, and we just get better at loving one another. The love of Christ is what matters to a watching world and to a world starving for what real love is, a love that won't abandon or quit on them or try to sell them something false. We want people to bump into us, to interact with us, and to walk away feeling loved, noticed, valued, and accepted. Now, let me give a caveat here. Acceptance does not equal approval. And our world has a hard time with this. Acceptance does not necessarily equal approval. Accepting people, loving people as made in the image of God and deemed worthy of value and love because God says so does not mean I have to approve of everything they believe, say, or do. That's not the same. God is for us. That's what the scriptures declare over and over. His grace expressed in the gospel of sending Jesus on a search and rescue mission for you and for me. His love for me motivated him to love me before I ever loved him or even knew about him or even agreed with him. His love went first. That's the gospel. Not that we love God first, but that while we were still sinners, God initiated his love to us. That's Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you, for me. It's the love of God that is the most powerful force in the universe. It's the love of God that changed your life as a follower of God. And it's the love of Christ that will change the relationships around you and around me. And we want to cultivate relationships with people inside the church family, 
and outside the church family with a core nutrient of the love of Christ. That people would walk away from interactions having felt loved and accepted and noticed. And it doesn't mean everything is approved, but they leave different because of interactions with us. Cultivating relationships that reflect the love of Christ takes intentionality and it takes time. It will not happen overnight. You and I have been sent out into the world to cultivate relationships with the love of Christ as a church and as individuals. I have such joy hearing the stories of how God is using you. I love meeting your friends. My favorite people to meet, I love you all, but my favorite people to meet are your friends. Because I know God's at work in their life already, and he's partnering with you to be a part of the process. And there isn't anything that gives me more joy than that. To see God at work, working in you and through you, cultivating relationships with the love of Christ with the folks around us means we love, we pray with folks, we listen to folks, we serve them, we provide comfort and help, and we earn the right to invite And we earn the right to share our story and God's story and how he's changed in our lives. Jesus is the one who said, listen, a new command I give you. Let me boil it all down. Love God, love people. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Just do that to the people around you. By this, all men and women will know that you're my disciples. By the way you love one another. Uh, Maybe the greatest question you can ask yourself in the situations that you and I have to navigate is maybe not necessarily what's right or what's wrong, but maybe what does love require of me in this moment? What does love require of me in this moment? And it may not be to grab the bullhorn and to say, I'm right. We live by grace and truth. But that may not be what the moment needs. It may need more grace than truth in this moment. And so what does love require of me is a great question to ask. It's an all-encompassing, profound question. How can I love like Jesus would in my spot and in my shoes right now? How would he respond? And how can I respond a little bit more like that? I I love this quote. I'll close with uh, William Barclay who says this. More people have been brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than all the theological arguments in the world. And more people have been driven from the church by the hardness and ugliness of so-called Christianity than by all the doubts in the world. So friends, The invitation for us is to be a kind of people that will take the time and energy and intentionality to cultivate our relationship with God, leaning into his love, letting it continue to wash over us, to never lose the beauty and the grasp of it's his love that moves us. It's his love that met me long before I ever knew him, thought anything about him, or even agreed that he was right. It's his love that went first, and it changed me. And it's that kind of love that I want to bring into my relationships with the people within the church to help them experience that more, to begin to have that bring healing into their life that you need it. Every single one of you here 
and every single one of you watching online, you, th- you are at a crossroads of so many different decisions and we want to be a people that will walk alongside you in a loving manner that will help you in that moment to see God work in your life, to do some things supernaturally that we can't do, but we'll also come along and do what we can do so that God's work and our partnership come together to see God change you, to see you grow in in producing fruit and seeing a fruitful life and seeing you then released to love the people around you, that your friends and your family, you can begin to invite here, that you earn the right to invite in the way that you love. We wanna cultivate relationships with the love of Christ, and that is hard work. It will not happen overnight. But friends, the harvest that can produce of a people who intentionally invest in that year after year after year, a decade later, can be beyond your belief and beyond our expectation. To him who is able to do more than we can even dream. May his praise and his name get the glory for the invitation we have. And so as we close with a song, uh, our, our team comes. Here's my invitation to you. Is what would that look like for you to begin to, to really get honest with yourself? Hey, how can I cultivate my relationship with God? Not just kind of play Christian, but actually begin to lean into that. How, what are some rhythms or practices we see in life of Jesus that I want to lean more into here in 2023? We'll, we'll unpack some of that in some series we'll do this year. What does that look like for me to begin to to cultivate love in the relationships around me? And so the opportunity for us is we kind of take a moment to to pray is I'm just going to give you some space to pray and ask God, God, would you show me what that might look like for me? What's one step that that might be for me to cultivate my relationship with you and cultivate the relationships around me with your love? And so, Father, that's the invitation we're taking here. It's just the next 30 seconds. We're inviting you to, to, Holy Spirit, to speak into our hearts. For each one of us, it may be different. For each one of us, it may be this particular step or this particular practice or this particular rhythm or habit that we see in your life, Jesus, that, that maybe we've never thought about, maybe we've thought about it and we kind of pushed it back, that you want to utilize that, you want to utilize, maybe we've been a person that's never read your scriptures but you want to, you're calling us to begin to, to, to root ourselves more in that, to know you. Maybe it's you're calling us and inviting us to, to, to live more of an unhurried life. Maybe you're calling us to, to put more action to the steps that we claim or the, the things that we say and to begin to practice living this out a little bit more, maybe to get more active with sharing our faith or talking about our faith even. So Holy Spirit, we invite you in this room, those watching online, uh, would you show us maybe what's one step that you'd have for each one of us to take in growing our relationship with you? Uh, Maybe there's a step that you want to to begin to form within us to cultivate the relationships you've put around us with your love so that people would experience that a little bit more. What is that step, God? And Father, I pray in behalf of Element City Church. Father, we long to be a church that we would look back 10 years from now 
to be able to look back to see the lives changed, to see the transformation that would happen across the friendship networks that are represented here, the families represented here, the city that we call home and that we love, to see the lives changed because of the gospel of Jesus and his love interrupting in a beautiful way, redeeming, rescuing, calling people forward in faith in you, Jesus. Father, may you have your way in and through this church to move your kingdom forward, your story forward, because it's your love that changes us and changes the people around us. So would you help us grow in cultivating that for ourselves and to cultivating that into the relationships you've given us connection into, we pray. We worship you.
into the depth of love that he has for you. May it continually overwhelm you and bless you and call you into pursuing after him and leveraging your life to love those that he loves, that he longs to connect with, that are right around you, that are now connected to you, and you're just trying to make the connection happen, that they would come to see this God who has a love for them like you've come to experience. So may you cultivate a life that lives into that love and that lives that love out loud for people to bump into. So glad to, to have you here, tuning in online. We're thrilled to, to get to do life together. The ups and downs of life, walking with people in the valleys, celebrating with people in the mountaintops and every step in between. 
So that's doing church together. And so maybe there was something that kind of pricked your heart. You want to be a part of helping start a new community group, then come talk to us with that. Uh, if you want to be a part of maybe beginning to serve around here, come talk to us about that. Um, one of those ways on the app is you can scroll down to upcoming events. You just click on it or the bottom tab. And it's the Feed My Starving Children on February 11th. We need 49 more people. Uh, and it's a two-hour slot of your life that will make a difference for someone overseas. And so it's an opportunity, a simple way for you to give back and, and to serve and to put yourself in a position to go, God, okay, help me have a heart for people that I will never see because you have a heart for them and you see them and you know that. And so it just invites you that weekend, uh, again, February 12th is a Sunday. We will not be meeting on Sunday night, that night, uh, that is Super Bowl night, and we're gonna serve the day before. And the other invitation we're giving you is to serve someone on Sunday morning. Serve a neighbor, uh, serve a friend, serve a family member. Maybe you wanna go with your e-group and have a service opportunity that you put together, go for it. We did that last year, a few of us. Uh, and so that's a great opportunity. Maybe you wanna to get together with your e-group, get together with family, with friends, some people you sit around uh, and just enjoy the game that night. Uh, mostly enjoy the commercials because the Steelers are out of it, that's it. Okay, okay, moving on. Um, but um, so just grateful uh, for us to get to do life together. Thank you for all of you who uh, make giving around here a priority and helping it, you know, it takes real money to do real ministry. So thanks for partnering with us. And that way we don't pass a plate here. We've got a couple boxes in the back. Most folks give online. And so if you want to jump into that, uh, you can partake in that. You can look to find that information on the app or online uh, or again in the boxes in the back. So um, tonight, we usually have a group that goes out to dinner every night um, or every Sunday night afterwards. It's Cereal Grillers off of Speedway is where we're heading to tonight. So in about 25 minutes, uh, you want to be there. Uh, we can partake in a meal together. If you're new, we throw a 10-minute party. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. It's right back in that back corner. Uh, 10 minutes or less, I'd love to meet you, kind of hear your story a little bit. we got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon to give you uh, and just for showing up. So grateful to have you here. Friends, may you go and be the church now. We've gathered as the church, but now we get to go be the church. And may you live into the love that God has for you, and may you live that kind of love out loud for others to experience that the same way you have experienced that. God bless you, friends. We'll see you next Sunday.